sacrifice. If I pick up on that, I immediately put the risk budget to 150% and I call that the A tax. And that's usually, it's whatever number will make me happy to deal with that attitude. This is the Fearless Pricing Podcast, where we meet and talk about real life pricing experience. I'm your host, Philip Fucic. Hello, and welcome back to the Fearless Pricing Podcast. Today, we have Orson Lord, YouTube specialist that has a story of trying to hit the minimums, which you'll see, but I think it will ring very familiar in many of your ears. It definitely doesn't mind. Orson, hi. The main part of the story and about myself is that I'm a video marketer who's recently gone into the YouTube specialist niche. So I help you, I help businesses and personalities grow brands on YouTube that generate lots and lots of money. That's always very welcome. Yeah. So let's get stuck into it. Tell us your what I should have charged story. With my what I should have charged story is it's more like a lot of little, little mistakes I made. So there are countless, just looking at the history of my invoices, um, there are countless stories of me constantly immediately giving out the minimum price to people. And I can see that in the invoices, like I've calculated the cost plus a little risk, maybe a tiniest smidgen of profit, but nothing to really make you happy at the end of the day. And I guess getting into it, the main reason I was doing that was in my business before I was getting into a lot of retainer services, I would have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. There was a number I needed to hit every month to make sure that the company was making revenue, paying me and doing an acceptable level of profit. Some day, some months I did triple that. Awesome. And then a lot of months I would sometimes do and none of that. It was just like high highs, low lows. And the more the lows got low, the more I started discounting the prices. I started turning them down because I'm like, oh, well, you know, if I'm not getting anything this month, because, and look, let's be real, like we're going back in the uh, days when budgets were getting a bit tighter, in, at least where I'm from, people weren't spending as much. And the first thing they cut is marketing. And then especially video marketing, it's more on the premium end of things. So immediately I'm going, well, budgets are getting tight. Let's draw this number down. And looking back, I don't see an increase in sales by reducing the price. I just see a reduce in the price on what I was charging. That's basically my biggest mistake. It's just I keep I kept turning the faucet on the discount. Yeah, because I mean it sounds logical, right? People want to pay less. If I turn the price down, I'm going to have more, you know, more revenue because still I will have more clients. Except it doesn't work because it's premium. But there's another thing that people do. And mm. you might have tried that as well, uh, which is keeping mm. on value. Yeah, on one side, that. on one side you're asking less. On, on the other side, you're promising more. <laughs> I like more and, deliverables. Yeah, oh, I'll turn your horizontal video into a vertical video. No extra charge. I'll do a bunch of cross-platform conversions. I'll make a horizontal, a square video, a vertical video, so you can put it on everywhere. I'll write your descriptions. So you, you, I'll, I'll give you the shebangs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would do that. So the premise is if they could only see just how good a deal this is, then I wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. I mean, I tried that one, especially the heaping one, but also the decreasing one. And it's kind of a siren voice calling you in, into your do decrease yeah. your prices will all be fine. Did it work? Uh, no, no. The base, basically the sales stayed the same. No one said no to the cheaper price, but I didn't get any more yeses. Because, because. This is what, what happens. We think of, uh, this, that's like pricing elasticity in boring economics terms. 
we think it like, okay, this is a hundred percent. So a hundred clients at a hundred dollars. So if I have $80, I will have about 120 clients, clients. right? Yeah. Except no, what we do is inelastic price, price wise inelastic, which means that it moves slower either way. The, the reaction is lower than ex let's say expected one, which means if you give a discount of 20%, you will have less than sometimes zero in the number of clients. But also, which you might have figured out as well, especially since we work together, is if you increase it like 20%, you also don't lose 20% of clients. Yeah. Because the, like I said, the reaction is lower than expected both ways. So what you did was very typical during Corona. I had a bunch of clients doing 20, 30% cheaper services back then. They got less money, reliably, but not any more sales. So yeah. this is why it doesn't work. Yeah. So whether why this happens is mm, if you think about medicine, right? Well, what would happen if a medicine that I need got up 20%? I would bloody well pay for it. Yeah. Even if there are cheaper brands, I don't trust them. So if it won't, you know, ruin me financially, I won't even think about switching because that. And what we do, what you do is based on trust. And as long as people don't trust you, the lower price doesn't mean much. And if they do trust you, higher price doesn't mean much. So that, that's the same logic. Yeah. Now, could you tell me the distinction? You said, so the minimal cost and then a little risk and a smidgen of profit. But when you calculated that back then, uh, what was the difference? What's, wh how did you calculate the risk? How did you calculate in, in, in the profits? Well, okay. How, you know what? I'll bear all on this bit. Risk is basically, I can break it down. My, my projects are broken into three, yeah. three numbers. There's costs, which is literally like how many direct costs. So, you know, if I'm filming an ad, you know, do I have to buy a costume? Direct cost. I have to pay myself as an employee for that time? Direct costs. Or technically I'd be putting the, the other part, which is where I technically should be going is operational expenses, which is costs I incur that I'm always going to occur whether the project happens or not. So I had a way of figuring out how much operational expenses and costs to associate to a project. And that being like, like, this is what the project is expected to cost. But on every project, there's also risks. You know, I call it the F up budget because, you know, the creative world, we don't think of, oh, there's a risky project here. We think Dan effed up and he didn't bring the camera and now we've got to do a reshoot and that's cost us. So I call yeah. it the F up budget just because it literally makes us click a bit better. And the F up budget ranges on normal. It's a, it's 15% is a normal amount. And if it, I will change that for varying things. So one of the things I'll do is if, and I learned this really early on from the worst mistake I made, but if I'm dealing with a sociopath or someone with those tendencies, they try to manipulate you into a better price. If I pick up on that, I immediately put the risk budget to 150% and I call that the A tax. And that's usually, it's whatever number will make me happy to deal with that attitude. So that's probably one of the, that's one thing I don't get wrong is dealing with bad attitudes. Um, but usually like, I would lower the risk. I'll just like, you know what? I'm just going to take on more risk. So instead of my usual 15%, I'd make it 5%. And sure enough, I'd still end up having to pay that 15% risk. Um, and then finally there's profit, which is just the money left over that the company owners, which is just me, gets to take home at the end of the, um, the end of the quarter in the profit distributions. I try to treat my small company like a big one. Yes.
though the instinct of lowering the whole thing in order to get more sales is misguided, you're you're doing some things completely right. So mm. paying yourself, I've seen tons of people not doing that. Yeah. Because they say, well, it doesn't really cost me anything. I would be paying this, you know, I'm working from home. I would be paying this electricity yeah. uh, anyway. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's like if you wouldn't be doing something, if there was was no client, then that's a cost for sure. Yeah. So that's good. And of course, the uh, the a-hole tag is, is very profound um, yes. <laughs> I want to as, know, so as a solution. Yeah, well, the thing is, they all say no, which is the main thing. I think that, that I talked to a psychologist about this. The other, like, I was just in a random social media chat room and I was talking to them about it and they brought up the most profound thing, which was they go, what's really special about doing that, and I didn't realize this, is that they're saying no, so they feel like they've won. But in reality, I've won by not having to work with them. So we actually both won. But if I say, I don't want to work with you, they can come back in a lot of pretty bad ways. Like they can leave you a one-star review. They can be quite angry at you. But when you give them the power to say no, they, it's, like, it just, it's just a clean cut and no one gets hurt at the end of the day, which is great. Has it ever happened to you that you tried that and they said yes? No, but I would be happy with that price. <laughs> yeah. It happened to me. I knew I would be happy at the end. I wasn't happy in the middle of it. I probably haven't charged enough. But yeah, uh, yeah a whole tax needs to go up. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a project that I knew how much they would be getting out of it. I asked, not wanting to do that, and well, with them, I asked for ninety percent of what they were they would be getting out of it, thinking that their ego would absolutely not let them say yes. And what I got was, ah, oh, and you said you were expensive. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, oh no. So what I neglected to see is that they wanted that because that would allow them to get something else and they really didn't care. So this was, I had to slog through it, you know? Yeah. But yes, it, I needed to, to charge even more. But I thought, you know, if I ask for 100%, then I would be, it would be clear what I'm doing. It would be clear that I'm actually avoiding working with them. And like 90% is extremely cheeky, but, but still technically uh, yeah. uh, easy to spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Before we continue, I'd like to suggest two things. Firstly, if this is the first time you're tuning in, I'd love for you to subscribe and hear the next story in a week. And second, if you feel you could do with a little more fearless pricing content, look in the show notes for the link to the popular, short, and sometimes funny bi-weekly newsletter. That's it. Let's get back to the show. So anyway, Numbers. that didn't work. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You said, you know, a tiny bit of profit, but nothing that would make you happy. What makes you happy with the price? What um, makes you happy? Let's, let's put it like that. Good question. So what price makes me happy? The biggest thing I'd say with the price is, so one, obviously all my costs are covered. Anything that went wrong was covered as well. Or even if anything didn't go wrong, I still had that money to the side. And then I guess my, you know, if I had to go with honestly is my profit margins, just if as long as I'm seeing them increase year on in, year on out is the objective. Hasn't been the case, I'll be honest. But that's my objective if I go. So just to give you an idea, most video production companies only make a 2% profit margin. Um, they're bottom of the barrel. It's very low. The second you become like a design agency, it's a 20% profit margin on average. So I'm not, I, all the times I won't even describe myself as someone who creates videos. I'm the one who helps design 
the media or design what you're creating or come up with a strategy because immediately it is just that much easier based on industry standards. Um, so for me, 20% would actually be very happy. That's like usually in the current game I was and am playing, it's getting myself to 20% profit margins. Things that would make me less happy, and this is some of the things I would do, because I had these numbers, I would sometimes play with them to try and reduce the number, which either silly or not, but I'll do things like, oh, you know what, maybe the like allocated hourly rate I'm playing myself as an employee, maybe that's too high. Let's just, let's, let's just tell myself as an employee I'm no longer getting paid as much. That made me very yeah. unhappy, but it put things within budgets. Yeah, so it'd be those, I'd play with those numbers very creatively, which is, you know, very messy thing to do, but that's what I did to try and, you know, back in the day, reduce numbers to try and get more sales. Okay. Mm. I mean, your description, so whether you describe yourself as somebody that does videos or somebody that designs this or that, people often feel like that shouldn't matter, mm -hmm. right? My profitability shouldn't 10x <laughs> just because I say this or that. Yeah. But it does. And sometimes it's even important to give a hint. Part of your job is something that you don't really do. You have, you know, somebody else do that or something like like that. Mm. What I mean is, let's say that you go into a doctor's, specialty doctor's clinic. And you have to wait there along with other people. And while you wait, somebody is violently sick on the floor. And... Well, that's unfortunate, but you're at the doctor's office. So a cleaning lady comes and cleans it up and okay. And once you get into the doctor's office, you realize that the cleaning lady was actually the doctor. Now, there's no reason why you should mind that, but your view of her expertise is never going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because why would she be the one cleaning the sick? There's got to be something wrong about this. There's nothing wrong about doing any of those jobs, but you are no longer viewing the expertise in the same way. So yeah, absolutely. I can see that because I don't know. If, I don't know if you got more of the story to say, but I'm assuming. No, no, go on. I'm assuming if you saw the doctor in the reverse order. So, like, let's say you saw the doctor. They treated you. You were very happy. And then you went out and someone was sick. And then that doctor went out to go clean the spew. You might go, well, you've already had that good experience. You're going to go, look at that doctor going above and beyond to do their job. So you go, <laughs> but, but just, and I noticed that in the order. Like if I start with video editing and thumbnail design, which is a, pretty much a very core thing of what we do, it's then very hard to sell the strategy or the thinking. But if we start with the strategy uh -huh. and the thinking, which is honestly what I'm better at, it's it's a lot easier to charge that high ticket service and then do well look we actually have a thumbnail editing thing so you don't have to think about it on the side and they go great but i it's interesting just the order i the order things go in will change the value, perceived value of who i am and so we're not selling to robots no the robots wouldn't care that's five plus two e equals two plus five mm. right but we do we are not we are very far from robots and th that's just a very human thing have you done something with your uh, pricing recently that, that helped you go beyond the logic of if I reduce the price, I'll get more sales? Yes, I did. So what happened was is I had a thing with you, which allowed me to like, evaluate how I was doing my pricing and my thinking behind it. And one of the things that it's been a month or two since we've done it. And the one thing that's really stuck with me is that, you know, changing and this is right from the beginning of the podcast, changing your price doesn't change the revenue or like re reducing price does not increase the amount of sales I'm getting. It just reduces the price I charge. 
So what I ended up doing was I just went, okay, well, what's that actual number that I wanted to charge so that I could have a scalable business that makes me happy to work here? And I went from taking it from like a $1,500 or $3,000, which was like literally cutting costs and paying me not enough was basically what I was doing to achieve that. And I just took it yeah. to $8,000. So it's anywhere from six to eight grand is where I'll keep that price. Um, and that changes honestly based on the US dollar and the Australian dollar. Of course. Yeah, but, but that's where it is. And that's per month as a retainer client. And so that's a pretty high price. And, you know, what's interesting is that I haven't had anyone buy that yet, but it's still been okay because one, I'm not selling myself at a loss, which would just leave me in a worse place than if I did nothing, if I'm being honest. Because what's ended up happening is one of the core things about me and my speciality is that if people weren't buying my service, instead of trying to sell more at a loss, I just started working on my company. I started building capabilities decks. I started creating my, uplifting my own YouTube channel and doing even more on that. And I ended up increasing revenue in my YouTube channel. Basically what's happened is the, um, yeah. So I increased the price to $8,000 a month which is what I need to have a scalable company where I can hire the people to do the work and market the company and do blah, 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 blah. Awesome. The, because people weren't picking up on the sale, I ended up uh, either working on my company, which meant like working on my YouTube. That YouTube is now producing revenue that I wake up every day and there's about another 80 USD dropped into the bank account in digital product sales. So I'm like happy. That's great. Awesome. And that grow, the YouTube channel's growing 1% every three days. So... To me, that's a very, I want to get that to 1% a day because that's just a nicer thing to say, but you know, I'm happy yes. with it right now. <laughs> then the other thing that happened is that that became a high anchor price. So because it was $8,000, people perceived me as this $8,000 solution they couldn't afford. But then what's ended up happening is I've ended up creating smaller one-off solutions again. So having that $8,000 a month became an anchor. This is what it costs to run a YouTube channel really productively in full. Um, and then I've come up with other solutions now. The biggest one right now is I've got strategy session happening with some actually quite iconic characters I can't say right now, but they're cool. <laughs> and so they've brought me in to do the strategy. So instead of doing the full shebang, well, look, we're currently in negotiation. It's a sealed thing, but currently we're looking at an initial strategy session where we're just going to review everything. And then we have a mini monthly, uh, basically channel analytics review service that we're off where that we're doing for them now so it's not where i'm doing a full service it's about two to four hours a month i would say we're offering them and we're doing that at a pretty good price so that was nice the eight thousand dollars ended up becoming an anchor for the other smaller services which made them look a lot more reasonable so yeah i was very happy with that things at a better price so one of the things that we that we come into pricing is the idea that every price that you set needs uh, is there to sell and if mm. it's not it's, it's not doing its job right okay. that's not true one of the jobs of uh, that the price has is to signal uh, your positioning who should you be compared with so mm. if you have a publicly available or very clear very upfront price of eight thousand dollars nobody will say yeah but there's you know th there's this guy <laughs> <laughs> on freelancer.com that will do it for 80 uh, for 80 dollars a month yeah yeah, yeah awesome <laughs> i guess so that's one of the jobs the other is like you said anchoring okay so maybe uh, all of this guy's time all of the time is eight thousand dollars but do i really need all that no probably not but i really do need this and this so compared to those eight thousand dollars i'm actually getting a bargain 
yeah. very good. Yeah, right? and they immediately just trust me a lot more. So, look, look, you know, there's a, probably a bunch of other things that helps the trust, but them seeing that on the website just makes you go, well, he must be doing something right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of the other signals that, that you're sending out is I'm not desperate for a sale. Mm. I wouldn't be having this price if I was. Mm. So you don't really come into negotiations with me and that, that you have me over a barrel because you clearly don't. We'll work with you if the time is right, if the price is right, if we are a good fit, mm. right? But that helps the attitude, or well, it should yeah. help the attitude of most people because uh, people preying on solo creators that, that are in bad situations will be put off by this very clear signal that you're not yeah. really in a hurry here, yeah. which saves everybody some time. Mm. So even if you never sold, at the $8,000, which is highly unlikely, as you, you will soon see. Yes. Just from experience, from experience every time that I helped somebody set up, up a price like that, sooner or later, they, they called me and said, you'll never believe just what just happened. Um, So every time. But even if it never happens, it still is worthwhile to do. Is it worthwhile thing to do? Because all of the other functions that have nothing to do with actual selling, right? There, there's another effect called the decoy price. There was this famous case in, with The Economist when they had two prices, uh, a higher and a lower one, obviously. They mostly sold the lower one, the, the lower deal. And then they... Uh, got another price which was slightly below the higher price but actually a much worse deal they started uh, the audience switched and they started mostly getting the good deal which yeah. was which was existing before but less people bought it now more people bought it mm. and when they removed the middle price the most of the people dropped the lower offering again it's called the decoy pro decoy price effect yeah. So that's not what you did. I'm just saying there's more functions yes. to setting a price than just... Um, yeah. And, uh, and oh, now, yeah. And, and now you mentioned it and now you say that and talk about that. I guess one of the things I am noticing, I didn't think about before, but the people get a much more realistic expectation, and you'll notice, of running a YouTube channel, right? There is a lot of different efforts you can go to run a YouTube channel. You know, you can, oh, yeah. you can do a little bit where you're giving, I don't know, 1% of your energy and efforts and times to it, or you can do a thing where you're giving... 200%. We've got like two or six people full-time working on it. There's multiple ways. And it, what it did, I guess, by setting that, it kind of just set the... And they could see from the work I produced, they could see the example works and they could see the price. The $8,000 gave them a much more realistic expectation of what it takes to produce that type of content. They um, Versus when I added the $3,000, they thought, oh, cool, we can get someone on the side spending like a quarter of their time and we'll get it covered. It's like, no, this is like at least two people's worth of work to do this. You know, it was just setting that price made expectations more realistic, which again, I guess, yeah, gets a bit back into that anchoring we're talking about. And, you know, what you're talking about, the price has multiple yeah, yeah. functions. It realistically sets the effort. Expectations are important here, very mm. much. By the way, there's another one that I remembered, which is sacrificial price, which mm. is an add-on that you price highly, but separately, so that people can say, oh, I don't want that one. And then you said, oh, okay, fine, you talked me into it. <laughs> when this is not the same thing, but 
uh, when I when I was setting up this uh, company, I got a government grant for fairly significant amount of money, enough to buy the most expensive laptop on the market. Hmm. I knew it would be a hard sell because the, the money you don't have to return it, but they have to approve it, right? Hmm. So I took the laptop and a stylus, which is you know seventy dollars stylus or something <laughs> yeah. like that because it's fancy, right? And they said, oh, you're not a graphic artist. You know, we can't approve the stylus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You got me. You can also price something as a sacrificial thing. Yeah. Yeah. Got Two that. things. One would be, what would you, after all of your experiences now, what would you give out as advice to, to um, other people like you in other areas struggling with their pricing what would your advice be um so i think like that i guess the biggest thing i'd have to say is just literally charge what's going to make you happy with a few if conditions but if the price you're charging doesn't make you happy so it, you figure that out for yourself but one at a bare minimum price should make you happy there is one strong if which i've taken which this which has really helped me grow and pivot into a better direction which is if it's the first three projects. I, I might sell it at a loss, but I'm not saying, oh, I'm not going to go to the person and give them a $3,000 service and charge $1,000. I'm going to say, hey, I got a $3,000 service, but if you allow me to take all your analytics, do anything behind the scenes and leave me an honest review at the end, I will discount it by $2,000. And But the condition is you've got to give me that or I'm going to charge you the full $3,000 and you agreeing now that you will pay it if you don't give me that. So like they see that... I'm valuing their marketing, the marketing materials I'm going to grab at $2,000. Like, and the only reason I make that exception is I'm not happy with that price, but I am happy with that deal at the end because I made a little exchange. And I only just say that because I made that mistake early on as well, where I went, great, I'm just going to charge full price and that's that. And that didn't work very well. So I needed to, uh, I just needed to get more realistic with what made up with getting the sale versus being happy, if that makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know Chris do the future. He talks around subjects like this and that. So you may have noticed that I'm very in tune with like profit risks and all that. And that and there's a story behind that why I'm like that. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, even though it happened in public. And I'll just tell the story. Let's just go from the beginning. So Chris do comes to my city that I live in, Brisbane, and he does a pricing workshop on for creatives. Uh, and somewhere in the middle of it all, he goes, all right, can someone share their number? What are they roughly doing in their costs and profit? And no one puts their hand up. I thought I was pretty good. So I was like, oh, like after 30 seconds, I'm like, I can't hand this. I'll do it. So he goes, okay, what are your costs? And I go, buh, 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 buh. and he goes, writes them down on the whiteboard. And I go, okay, what's your profit? And he goes, net or gross? And I didn't really know what it meant at the time. So I splurted out one of the numbers and he goes, what? That's your profit. Yeah. You have absolutely no financial literacy. That's, you're not going to survive here. Let's start from the top. <laughs> and went back and I just sunk in my share because he's, here is like an icon to me, belittling me. And I'm going, oh no. And then the second he starts writing anything on the whiteboard, I just heard a tidal wave of pen scribbles. Just go, no one knew what any of this was. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not alone, but. I really took that with me and ran home with it. A better price is good advice. Mm -hmm. I can't say much about this. It's just, do you think it matters that your quality is not top-notch in the first three to five projects? Do you think that matters to clients? Oh, 
I think it does. I think it matters that the quality is top-notch in the first three. Absolutely. If it isn't. Oh, if it isn't. If it is not yeah. in top quality. I think that would matter. It would if they could see it. This is something that, that people struggle with a, a lot, and I did as well. Usually, you're the only one in the, that conversation that can tell that the quality is, is not as it should be. Mm. They usually can't tell. It's completely fine to work with your conscience and say, ah, this is not actually what it needs to be. But mm. in most cases, you are going to see faults that your client doesn't care or doesn't know enough to care about. Mm. Maybe they should, but they won't. So my advice here is fine, you know, reduce the price for the first one, the second one, maybe the third one, yeah. probably consecutively less and less. Yes. But uh, never substitute your own view of your work, which is just based on so much more knowledge about what you do and what is mm. to be expected for the clients. Let them tell you if something was wrong. Mm. And even if it's full of holes and they're perfectly happy, just do better next time. Yeah. But nobody won by you charging less than they are happy to pay. Nobody won. There's no prize for, for being the moral victor. Except an empty bank account. Yeah. So that's the only cha challenge that I would have here. Mm. Cool. Orson, where can people find you uh, except YouTube? Oh, well, if you don't, you're not looking for me on YouTube, then the other two best places is LinkedIn or my website, Mediable. That's media, M-E-D-I-A. And then B for Bravo, L for Lima, E for Echo. So it's like Mediable. Anything can be media. Like to guess what you would say about the name. <laughs> cool. Very well. Thank you for being here and sharing all of that with us. And dear listener, see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, simply subscribe. Until next time, your host, Philip.